Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Well, morning everyone. It's good to be back at King's Church. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen Phil, and I've noticed he's lost weight, so I'm slightly jealous. Um, about this time last year, I said to my wife that I was going to be really good and lose about 10 kilos, and uh, it's been a year now, and I'm happy to report I've only got 15 left to go. Come on. It's progress. I, uh, thank you. Phil says I can do it. I read, this, uh, I read this joke the other day. I thought it was quite deep about taking care of your health. It says this. Can I read this to you? It says, the Japanese eat very little fat and suffer fewer heart attacks than the British or the Americans. The French eat a lot of fat, but they too suffer fewer heart attacks than the British or the Americans. The Japanese drink very little red wine and suffer fewer heart attacks than the British or the Americans. The Italians drink excessive amounts of red wine but they too suffer fewer heart attacks than the British or the Americans. The Germans drink a lot of beer, eat a lot of sausages and fats, and they too suffer fewer heart attacks than the British or the Americans. So here's the conclusion. Eat what you want, drink what you want, as much as you want. Speaking English is what kills you. Come on. So, so my New Year's resolution is to learn another language. So apparently that's healthy. It is, it's so good to see some familiar faces and some new faces here. And uh, I'm just going to share from the Word of God today. So if you've got a Bible, I'm going to turn to uh, Psalm chapter 57. Uh, if you don't have one, it'll probably come up on the screen uh, just to my side here. Psalm chapter 57. And uh, we're going to work through the whole, whole psalm and, uh, and just allow God to speak to us today. That's, that's great. Um, if you're here with a lot of faith or little faith or no faith at all, I want to tell you God is good. And God wants to be good to you. Personally, he wants to be good to you. So I'm going to read this, uh, the, read this psalm. <coughs> this is a song written by a man called David. And uh, this song obviously has been translated into English. And uh, I'm going to read this song. We're going to pray. And then I'd like to share from, from the Word of God. This is what it says. I'll read it off the screen. Have mercy on me, O God, have mercy on me, for in you my soul takes refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends his love and his faithfulness. I am in the midst of lions. I lie down among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit in my path, and they have fallen into it themselves. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. 
I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love reaching to the heavens, your faithfulness reaches to the skies. And the last verse, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. <coughs> Let your glory be over all the earth. Close your eyes and pray with me for a moment before we go into this together. Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you that this is the day that you have made. So we make a decision to rejoice and be glad in it. We are glad today because this is not a day that we've made. You've made this day and therefore there is something good that is about to happen to us. We thank you that your word has creative power. And as you speak today, we pray you will create a brand new, better future for us than we've ever imagined. We thank you for this great church. We thank you for the great leaders in this church. Well, we thank you for Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the word of God. And we thank you, O oh God, that our lives will never be the same again. I thank you in advance for what you're about to do. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you today from the subject, this is my fight song. This is my fight song. When David wrote this song, he was in the fight of his life. If you have a, a paper version of the Bible or a tablet in front of you, if you look at the psalm or the song we've just read, you'll see that above verse 1, there's a little introduction that says that David, the man who wrote the song, wrote it when he was hiding in a cave because the king of the country wanted him dead. The king of the country at that time was a man called Saul. Saul was trying to kill David. David is hiding in a cave. David is anointed to be the next king. The current king is currently jealous of the future king. And so the current king is trying to kill the future king. And uh, they lived at a time when there was no democracy. It was just, it was a kingdom. So if the king decided something, that was it. You couldn't appeal. You couldn't go to a court. You couldn't hire a lawyer. So the king wanted David dead. And he was in a lot of trouble, hiding in a cave. There was nothing he could do. So here he is in a cave, and he decides to write a song, as you do. And that song is recorded for us here in the Bible, in Psalm 57. The, book, the word Psalm just means song. So this is the 57th song in that particular book. And he starts, if we can have verse 1 up on the screen, he starts with these words. As he is there, he can probably hear Saul's army outside. He says, have mercy on me, O God, have mercy on me, for in you my soul takes refuge. Now, I have a problem with this, because if I was David, that's not how I would start my song. This is how I would start my song. Oh God, deal with that man. <laughs> not have mercy on me, because I'm not the problem here. He is the problem. He wants me dead. But he starts off this song by saying, have mercy on me, O God, have mercy on me. Can I just say to you that sometimes when you are in the fight of your life, God will give you a song. And you might not like the lyrics of the song, but the lyrics of the song encourages us to do one thing. When you are in the fight of your life, and even if it's not your fault, it might be somebody else's mistake. If you will humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, then he will lift you up in due time. Sometimes that's the hardest thing to do when it's not your fault. It's their fault. It's his fault. It's her fault. It's your husband's fault. It's your wife's fault. It's your children's fault. It's the government's fault. It's the NHS. It's the prime minister. It's the people. It's Brexit. It's everybody else's fault. No, as people of God in King's Church, we get promoted not by complaining. We get promoted by saying, God, have mercy on me. And if we will humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, then at the right time, God will lift us up. Humility is a much better way than arrogance. You might not like 
the lyrics to the song, but that's what he says. Have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy on me, for renew my soul takes refuge. It's interesting because he says something that is true, but is something that we cannot see because we read above verse 1 in the introduction of this song that this man is actually hiding in a cave, but even though he is hiding in a cave, he doesn't say, have mercy on me, O God, because it is in this cave that I take refuge. He says, it is in you that I take refuge. It is in you. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. You see, sometimes we can put our faith and our trust in our caves, in our homes, in our educations, in our marriages, in our families and sometimes some, what, life will just happen to you where your cave will give away and your job will give away and, and the marriage will give away and the education will give away but I'll tell you one thing that does not give way and no matter where you find yourself in life today it is not the cave that is your identity. It is not your job that is your identity. It is not your marriage that's your identity it is not your finances that is your identity whether you are in a cave or in a palace you are under the shadow of the most high god you're under the shadow of the most high god it says it says it's there that i take refuge it's there that I take protection. If you look at David, all he can see is a lonely man in a cave. But he could see something that you and I couldn't see. It is called the wings of God. The shadow of his wings. His protection. His covering. How many of you can put your hands up and testify that when you were all on your own, in your kitchen, in your living room, all of a sudden you felt like you were not alone. You felt like there was another presence with you. You couldn't put language to it. You couldn't point it out and show anybody. Do you know what that was? It was the wings of God protecting you, covering for you, reminding you, you're never alone. You're never alone. You're never alone. Here he is, David, all by himself, no friend, no family, away from a friend, away from all the people, wrongly accused. And the king is out to kill him. And he realizes he's not alone. No music, no worship, no pastor, no preacher, no people to pray. And he has this epiphany. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I am under the shadow of his wings. I want to tell you to everybody. I want to say this to everybody who's feeling lonely and rejected today. You're not alone. You're not alone. And he says, I'm going to stay in this place under the shadow of his wings until the disaster has passed. Everyone say until. Until. Everyone shout until. Until the disaster has passed. In other words, my disaster has an expiry date. My disaster has an expiry date. He didn't say, I'm going to stay here for the rest of my life. He said, I'm just going to stay here until the disaster has passed. You know, sometimes the enemy can come and tell you that your disaster is your permanent location. But I've come to announce to you today that your disaster is not your permanent location. Your disaster has come to pass. And it is not going to stay forever. And sooner or later, you will be able to look at your disaster and say, hey, you're not in front of me anymore. You are behind me now. And for some of you, you just need to remain humble under the shadow of his wings and one day you will stand up and say hey this is my story I thought the disaster was going to be permanent but God made it pass I'll stay there until the disaster has passed I want to say to you King's Church this is your fight song when you're in the fight of your life remember this it's your fight song let's look at verse 2 
He continues this song. He says, I cry out to God, most high, to God who fulfills me. Didn't we have an amazing time of worship this morning? Give it up for the band who led us in worship today. And the sound and the AV team, fantastic. He says there, I cry out to God, most high. God, most high. See, in the Bible, God has lots of names. But in this particular verse, David refers to God as God, Most high. You see, the highest person in the land at the time was the king, the king Saul. And he, he's in this place and he refers to, to God as God most high. He, he realizes no matter how big and how powerful my enemy is, there is always somebody that ranks above him. He is the God, not just high, but he is the God most high. And I, sometimes you've just got to look at your sickness and say, hey, I know a name that is greater than your name. I have got to look at your debt and say, hey, I know a name that is greater than your name. You've got to look at your confusion and your cave and say, I know a name that is greater than your name. That is why worshiping together is important. That is why coming together as church is important. Because when we come together, one of the things we do is not that we lift up the name of our disease and our debt and our discouragement. We lift up the name of Jesus. And when we lift up the name of Jesus, we are declaring over every situation that exalts itself against our life. We look at those situations and say, hey, I know a name that is above your name. I know a name that is above this mountain. I know a name that is above this challenge. I cry out to God most high who fulfills his purpose for me. I wonder what kind of purpose that is. Because sometimes when I'm stuck in a cave with people wanting to kill me for no fault of my own, I think my purpose is stuck. I think my purpose is gone. I think my purpose is stagnating. But I've come to realize every cave has a purpose. I've come to realize that every time you're stuck in a cave and you think you're not making any progress and you're not going forward and you're not coming backwards, God is still working things out. Can I just say to you, sometimes God is at, at work behind the scenes more than you realize. God is orchestrating events, having conversations, setting things up in your favor more than you realize. And you've got to sometimes stay in the cave and you're not moving forward, you're not moving back, you're just stuck wondering what happened to the prophecies that was on, that was on your life because David had a prophecy from a prophet called Samuel. He said, you're going to be the next king. There was oil poured on his head and he thought he was going to be the next king. Here he is in a cave about to be killed and you wonder what happened to the promises of God. What do you do when your current situation looks very different from the prophecies you've received over your life? I'll tell you what to do. You focus on God most high and you tell yourself God is still fulfilling his purpose concerning my life. That is a prophecy for some of you who are saying, no, I'm beyond my purpose. I'm beyond the plan. I've blown it. They've blown it. She has blown it. Can I just say to you, the word of God is above any situation and any circumstance and any cave. And if God has said it, he will do it. If he has said it, you can trust him. If he has said it, it will come to pass. It may look like you're stuck, but God is doing something. He's up to something. This is my fight song. When I'm in a cave, I tell myself, he's still working something. I don't know what it is. I can't see it. I can't hear it. I can't confirm it. I can't show you proof for it. 
But this I know, he is fulfilling his purpose for me. The word there fulfills is not past tense, it's not future tense, it's present continuous tense. He is currently fulfilling his purpose for me. Right now, something is happening in your life. You're not stuck, you're not stagnant, you're not failing, you're not in a place where you are waiting for the move of God. And that's why it is important to rejoice now. Some of you say, I will be happy when I'm married. I'll be happy when I'm not single anymore. I'll be happy when I get a better job. I'll be happy, I'll rejoice in the Lord when all my debt is paid. No, no, no. This is the day that the Lord has made. Why? Because today, whether you see it or not, God is working for you. God is working something in your life. He's fulfilling His purpose concerning you right here, right now. Come on, look at three people. Tell them something's about to happen. Tell them. Say, something's about to happen. Say, tell them. Something's about to happen. Something is about to happen. Something is about to happen. He's fulfilling his purpose for my life. Let's look at the next verse. He sends from heaven and he saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. The word sila there means pause and think about that. God sends his love and his faithfulness. You know, I love praying and I love expecting and I love receiving prophecy. And one of the things that has completely changed and transformed and shaped my life is when I get together with Phil and he prays for me and prophesies and sends words. And, and many of those words have come to pass and it's just been such an encouragement. But you see, when you're in a cave and you're stuck and outside the cave, you can probably hear the army. The king is there. The army is there. They're about to kill you. And God comes to you and says, I've got a word for you. I'm going to send from heaven and save you. When I get that word, I'm like, oh, my days, goosebumps, the, the hair on my hand stands. How, how did he know that I needed saving? That's an amazing word. That's incredible. I go around, text 10 people, tell them how he never guess what happened today. Pastor Phil and I had coffee at Costa and he prophesied in this. It was amazing. He sends from heaven and he's going to save you. So in my mind, this is what I'm thinking. Okay, if God is going to save me, he's probably going to send a bigger army to kill the army that's outside. Because how else is he going to save me? Right? He's probably going to send a few tanks, a few AK-47s, a few muscle men. And then I come to this revelation that the thing he is sending is love and faithfulness. And I go, what? I said, God, God, that was not the way the prophecy was meant to be. You said you were going to save me. That you were going to send from heaven and save me. And when I thought you were going to send from heaven and save me, I thought you were going to send your biggest angel who would come and flap his wings over the army and they were going to disintegrate. He says, no, 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 no. I'm going to send from heaven and save you. And I've got two weapons. It's called love and faithfulness and I go uh, do you have any other weapons just by you know because I'm, I'm, I'm yeah like I'm glad you love me and everything but right now I could use a little more than love you know but, 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 but what if love is enough but, but what if faithfulness is enough what if the best heaven has to offer you is his love? 
What if heaven's best products that can be released to take care of the biggest challenge in your life is that he loves you. He loves you. Two thousand years ago, because God so loved the world, he sent his son to die in your place and mine. And he bled and died a terrible death. We can watch films like The Passion of the Christ where we see Jesus. But that does not even depict what the Bible says he went through. Because the Bible says he was beaten beyond human recognition. In other words, if you looked at the cross, you wouldn't even know it was a human figure. That's how bad he was beaten. Beaten to pulp. Shed his blood in the garden of Gethsemane when he was praying. And stress became so heavy that his sweat became blood. Stripped and whipped on his back until his back bled. And his hands were nailed and his hands bled. And his feet were nailed and his feet bled. And a crown of thorns was nailed into his skull until his skull bled. They pulled his beard until his face bled. They pierced his side until his side bled. Seven different times throughout the New Testament. It says he bled and he bled and he bled and he bled. Guess what? That is the best heaven has to offer. His love. His love, his faithfulness. And I want to say to you today, Jesus loves you. That sentence is more powerful than an AK-47. It's more powerful than all the tanks in the world. It's more powerful than Donald Trump's nuclear button. This is powerful. He loves you. Without regrets. Without a second thought. He loves you. He will send from heaven and save you. What's he sending? His love and his faithfulness. His love and his faithfulness. He's sending his love and his faithfulness. And that's why sometimes you get excited and you jump out of bed and and you know something's about to happen. You know you're on the verge of a miracle. You know you're on the verge of a breakthrough. You know you're on the... You know know how children are excited on Christmas morning and, and they're just excited to come downstairs and open the presents because they know, even though they can't see it, they know they're on the verge of something. They know that they know that something's about to happen. And some of you have been very excited of late because something in your heart says something's about to happen. But you can't prove it. You can't show it. It's not a present that is hidden under the tree. You know why that is? Because the thing that's coming your way is more of his love and more of his faithfulness. And I want to say to you that excitement is not fake. That praise is not fake. That prayer is not fake. That spring in your step is not fake. Sooner or later people will see that the word of God on your life was true and it was not false. There is not a single person in here. If you will put your trust in the love of God, you will not be ashamed and you will not be proven to be ashamed in front of people he sends his love and he sends his faithfulness can I say to you one of the greatest words of faith you can ever say to God is just simply say to him God I just want to say your love is enough I just want to say to you you are faithful and he is faithful whether we are faithful or not he is faithful 
He is faithful. The Bible says even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. That's his nature. His nature is love and his nature is faithfulness. Can I just say there's been weapons released in your direction you don't even know about. There's people and armies fighting on your behalf that you don't even know about. It is called the love of God. And you got to rejoice and give God a shout of praise as if your victory is on the way. Why? Not because you can see it, but you believe it. That he loves you. That he loves you. He continues his song, verse 4. I'm in the midst of lions, I lie among ravenous beasts. I want you to notice this verse or this line of the song. And it's interesting because David mentions all of these things in plural. He doesn't mention them in singular. Lions, beasts, men, their teeth are spears and arrows whose tongues are sharp swords. Have you ever had one of those weeks where you're like, God, one more thing and I'm going to crack. You look to the front, you see lions. You think, okay, I look this way. You look this way and you see ravenous beasts. And you look this way. And then you see men with teeth whose teeth are like spears. And you look this way. And you think, oh man, I've got arrows coming this way. And then you look this way and you've got tongues that are sharp. And you're like, where do I turn to now? Can you imagine the mental state of David in that cave? He says, this is where I lie. This is my bed. This is what my bed looks like. Not a pocket sprung mattress. This is what my bed looks like. I lie down here. This is where I lie down. He's lying down there. Verse 5. And in that bed, he begins to worship. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Anyone can worship God when you're on a bed in Premier Inn. Because they guarantee a good night's sleep, apparently. (laughs) It takes a person of faith. When your bed looks a little different. It looks like lions and teeth and arrows and spears and swords and all sorts. And that is why desperate worship is powerful worship. That's why painful worship is powerful worship. That's why worshipping when you're bleeding is powerful worship. That's why worshipping when you're doubting is powerful worship. That's why worshipping when people are against you is powerful worship. As worshipping when nothing in your world makes sense is powerful worship. That is why worshipping when everything seems to be going from bad to worse is powerful worship. And I want to say to some of you, some of you are saying, oh, well, I'll worship. I don't feel like it. They're not singing my favorite song. They're not playing my favorite instrument. The music is too loud the music is too soft i don't like that worship leader we did not come here for your entertainment we came here for your breakthrough and your deliverance there is a promise and a prophecy on your life and you've got to see to it the other end so whether you feel like it or you don't today is a good day to lift your voice and say be exalted O god above the heavens be exalted O god above the earth let your glory be over all the earth I don't know what your bed looks like today. Might look like David's bed on the day. Can I just say to you, still a good day to worship. The Bible says that there's only two times, or the Bible refers to the fact, there's only two times that we are meant to worship. Number one, when we feel like it. Number two, when we don't feel like it. So pick one. And just do it. Pick one and do it. So you're either in, I feel like it, or I don't feel like it. So we are united here to worship. 
he worships in the middle of a bed that looks ugly that looks painful he says be exalted O god above the heavens let your glory be over all the earth can i just say to you this is my fight song this is your fight song you got to fight by singing you got to fight by praising you got to fight can, can, do you do you know and and some of you may not get this and some of you will know what this means you would have had the worst day of your life and all of a sudden you just feel like the song rises in you and sometimes it's in another language sometimes it's a song you've not thought of in years it just comes out of you you know why the spirit inside is saying is this is how i fight my battles this is how i fight my battles i don't fight with a gun and a sword and a spear and lions i fight by singing i fight by worshiping i fight by lifting god's name above every other name this is how we fight our battles so let that song go he continues look at verse 6 they spread a net for my feet i was bowed down in distress they dug a pit in my path and they have fallen into it themselves the moment he starts worshiping he realizes that worship often results in the redirection of your path he didn't say they dug a, a, a pit for my feet he said they dug a pit for my path what's a path a path is a road or a route you're heading down And if there's a huge pit down the path that you're in, either you've got to stop or you've got to divert. I don't know what happened, but they dug a pit in the path of David, but he didn't fall into it. The enemy that dug the path fell into the pit himself. I wonder whether your life needs a redirection from danger you don't even know about. and the key to that redirection is your worship you'll be amazed at the number of troubles your life has escaped that you don't even know about because you decided i will bless the lord at all times and his praise will continually be on my lips sometimes when i'm driving along a motorway the sat nav says to me there is a crash ahead of you and there's a delay of 40 minutes in order for me to save you time i have diverted your path so you can save 10 minutes or 20 minutes how many have had that experience while driving before you see sometimes the holy spirit is like our sat nav he'll come along and say hey king's church let's worship and he's not doing that for your entertainment my entertainment to make the pastor look good because the holy spirit has foreknowledge of some paths and some pits that are ahead of you and today if you will be undignified in your worship and let go of yourself and forget about who's sitting next to you and forget about who is behind you and say hey this is about my destiny this is about my future this is about my promise this is about my prophecy and if god wants to redirect my path through my praise that i'm going to praise him i'm going to praise him they dug a pit in my path but they have fallen into it themselves verse 7 my heart is steadfast to god my heart is steadfast i will sing and make music have you ever noticed you can be so full of stress and you spend some time in the presence of god you cry you weep you worship you come receive the word receive prayer receive prophecy and all of your sudden your heart is going ah. and 
Nothing's changed, but everything here has changed. How many of you have ever had that experience? Thinking, ah, oh, my heart is in a good place. Still in the cave. But my heart is in a good place. My heart is steadfast to God. My heart is steadfast. And with no saxophone and guitar and keyboard and bass guitar and drums, he says, I'm going to sing and I'm going to make some music. With what? With who? See, creativity always flows from a steadfast heart. And can I say to you, every person here is designed to be creative. Why? Because God who fathered you is a creative God. And you carry his DNA. So every person is meant to be creative. There's creativity in you, business ideas in you, a creative mom, a creative dad, a creative pastor, a creative preacher, a creative leader, creative musician, creative author. There's creativity in you. There's things in you. There's things in you that are meant to flow out. But you will never be at your best until you are at your rest. And you will never be at your rest until you learn how to worship on a horrible bed. My heart is steadfast, O oh God. I will sing and I will make music. All of a sudden, his creative juices are flowing. He's saying, I feel like writing a new song. I feel like making some more music. I feel like... I feel like something's flowing. And that creativity is actually meant to help you, even scientifically, just, just fulfill you. Biologically, it's meant to give you a sense of worth and accomplishment and, and rest. And he says, I will sing and make music. Look at verse 8. He says, awake my soul, awake harp and lyre, I will awaken the dawn. This is important. I want to pause here for a moment. I want to look at these three things that are meant to wake up in your life. Number one, your soul. Number two, your atmosphere, which is your harp and lie. And number three, your dawn. I have two children. My second one sleeps like a log. It's a dream. My first one hates sleep. Absolutely hates it. He's got so much energy. He's like a Duracell battery. And if there was one scientific invention that he could have had, it would be this invention where he could just press a button and make dawn to appear when he wanted. Because from about five, sometimes earlier, four in the morning, he'll go, Dad, is it morning yet? It's like, no, it's not. Ten minutes later, Dad. Is it morning yet? I say, it's not. He goes, hmm, let me see. Jumps out of bed, opens the curtains. Says, oh. About five o'clock, six o'clock. He says, dad, is it morning yet? I said, no, it's not. Let me see. He opens the curtains, blinds. Says, hmm, it's almost morning. He's five. He's been doing this from the time he was, he could talk. He would love for m- for it to, to be in his control where, where he chose when morning should appear. Because that's a, that's a weird concept. And David says, from a place of worship on a painful bed, 
says, all of a sudden, I feel like I have the confidence to prophesy to my dawn. I feel I now have the authority to tell dawn to get up. What if your dawn is accelerated through your praise? What if you're in a dark place right now and the way to get to dawn is by God giving you the courage to prophesy to your dawn. But the courage to prophesy to your dawn will never come until you learn to praise God on a painful bed. I want to prophesy this over King's Church. Whoever has been in a dark place, your dawn is on the way and it's quicker than you realize. The dawn is when you say it is. The dawn is when you say it is. The dawn is when you say it is. The dawn is not dictated by time. The dawn is when you say it is. The dawn is when you say it is. The dawn is when you decide it's dawn. And he speaks to the dawn and says, wake up, awaken my dawn. And some of us have got so used to being in a dark place and you're like duvet over your head and, and singing pity party songs and, and calling everybody and saying, hey, do you know what they did and she did and they said, how about waking yourself up from that place and say hey i am sick and tired of being in a dark place i'm sick and tired of this cave i'm sick and tired of being sick and tired i'm tired of being tired after going to work i tell people how tired i am come back and tell people at home how tired i am and i wake up and i tell myself i'm tired i'm tired maybe i just need to wake up and tell the dawn to wake up awake my dawn. Awake my dawn. Awake my dawn. Look at two people around you and say, what if the dawn is now? Tell them. Say, what if? Just what if the dawn is now? What if the dawn is now? What if you're not waiting for it? What if the dawn is waiting for your instruction? What if the dawn is waiting for your instructions? Secondly, he says, awake my harp and lyre. There's no harp there, there's no lyre there, there's no instrument there, there's no, there's no PA system, there's no speakers. And he's prophesying to his atmosphere, even though there's not a single musical instrument. All of a sudden he's saying, hey, my atmosphere will not be an atmosphere of, of fear and murmuring and complaining. Can I just say, for us people in King's Church, we've got to be better than all the news that's coming out of the BBC. Because if I wanted to watch the news, all I had to do was switch on the TV. I don't have to talk to you. And some of the time, sometimes when we talk to people, all they can do is regurgitate all the bad news that's appearing all over the world. After spending half an hour with them, you're more tired and more worn out than having run a 10-mile marathon or a 20-mile marathon. You're just going... Why is it that your presence is always drained? You know why? Because all they can talk about is the bad news. What if your atmosphere was music? What if your atmosphere was faith? What if your atmosphere was worship? What if your atmosphere, even though it is dark, you begin to prophesy to your atmosphere and say, Hey, guitar, wake up. Harp, wake up. Liar, wake up. I'm sick and tired of my atmosphere being draining. Now I've got to decide for myself that my atmosphere is waiting for me to speak to it. Wouldn't it be amazing if you went out this week and people in your world thought, what is it about your atmosphere? When I'm around you, all I hear is music. He 
you say, oh, I tell you what, Sunday you've got to come to a place, it's called King's Church, on Tennyson Road. I'll tell you where the music comes from. What would happen if we started prophesying to our atmosphere instead of our atmosphere describing what we should be like? What would happen if we decided to engage with exceed and, 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 and what was the women's conference called? Embrace and ignite youth and baptism Sundays on Easter Sunday. Just imagine what our atmosphere would produce in those meetings. Instead of going, oh, it's 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 connect group, it's life groups again. It's oh, it's just no, no, it's not. It's not. This is precious. This is this is this is this is precious. And you have a role, not just the pastor, you at King's Church. You've got a role to create that atmosphere when people come around. They've got to see music. They've got to hear music. They've got to smell music. They've got to touch music. There's something about your atmosphere. They're going, well, you know, I just love being at King's Church. I can't, I, can't, I can't even leave. I love it when the service finishes. I don't feel like going home because I just feel I'm in the environment of music. I believe 2020, your atmosphere is about to get around and get a change, get a, get a difference because there will be something about you where people say, I don't know what is about you, but I just love being around you. The third thing he says, awake my soul, my soul. See, sometimes our soul can go to sleep, not our spirit, our soul. The part of our, the part of our body, our mind, our intellect, our emotions, our will, where you just go, you know what, I'm here, but I'm not here. I'm, I'm physically here, but I'm not really here. I'm, I'm, my body is here, but my soul is asleep. Have you ever been in that place? That's what, a bed like that does to you. But I believe God, by His Spirit, wants to minister healing to you and awaken that place of you. Because all your creativity flows out of that place being awake. Because if that place is asleep, then nothing can flow. Can I have just the guy on the keys, the man, the gentleman who's playing keys? Thank you, sir, just to come join me, please. Awake, my soul. Three things you've got to prophesy over your atmosphere. Your dawn and your soul. God wants to heal some hearts today if you will take the decision to speak to it. Look how he finished the song. We've got three verses left. Verse 9. If you can just play for me gently in the background, that'll be great. For the first time in the song, he starts talking in future tense. He says, I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. You're thinking, what? David, mate, you're in a cave. All of a sudden, he's like, no, 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 no. You you see all this music that I'm writing here? You see the song I'm writing here? One day the nations are going to sing that song. Guess what? He didn't know there was a city called Cambridge. But we're singing his song today. In fact, we sang it earlier on. I will praise you among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. What do you mean you're going to do that? Among the nations? You're in a cave. The king wants you dead. And you have the audacity to think your songs are going to reach the world. Yes. You have the audacity to think that people one day all over the world are going to be aware of David's songs. Yes. Because that's what happens to my perspective. When my perspective of God becomes bigger than the perspective of the bed I'm lying in. 
I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing you of you among the peoples. Dr. Tony Evans said this. He said, faith, listen to me. He said, faith is saying so, even though it is not so, in order for it to be so, because God said so. Can I say that again? Faith is saying so, even though it is not so, in order for it to be so, because God said so. And if God has told you that you will sing among the nations, sometimes you got to say so, even though it is not so, in order for it to be so, because God said so. And if God has told you that you'll get out of debt, sometimes you got to say so, even though it is not so, in order for it to be so, because God said so. Whose word will you believe? Whose words will you repeat? says, I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. Well, guess what? Here in Cambridge in 2020, we're singing the guy's songs. Isn't that funny? Just maybe faith works. Just maybe God is true. Maybe, just maybe, his words can be trusted. Just maybe this is not the end. Just maybe the disaster has not come to stay. It's come to pass. I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. He was in the loneliest place of his life. His friend Jonathan wasn't with him. His dads, his brothers, hiding in his cave. And do you know what? The opposite of that became true. He became the most popular person in biblical history after Jesus. So much so that Jesus himself refers to himself as the son of David. I want to prophesy over some of you where you've been publicly rejected. God is getting ready to publicly promote you. Where you've been publicly dishonored, God is getting ready to publicly honor you. Where all influence has been stripped off and you've been lonely, God is giving you influence greater than you will ever believe or imagine. Why? Because God said so. That's it. God said so. And you can trust Him. You can trust Him. You can trust Him. Look at the next verse. For great is your love. Remember the two weapons? For great is your love. It reaches to the heavens. And your faithfulness reaches to the skies. When I think of how big God's love is. And when I think of how huge his faithfulness is. I can say. I'm going to sing among the nations. I'm going to sing among the peoples. That's why the word for, that means verse 9 and 10 are connected. So let's read verse 9 and 10 together. Go back one verse. I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. Why? For great is your love reaching to the heavens and your faithfulness reaches to the skies. God's love and his faithfulness is greater than your regret, your pain, your mistake, what they did, what they didn't do, what they did, should have done. What the teachers said, what they 
they, what they could have done, but they didn't do. Hey, come on. Let go of those stories. Let's focus on another story. Great is his love. It extends to the heavens. Great is his faithfulness. It's beyond measure and compare. Focus on that story. This is your fight song. This is your fight song. This is your fight song. And he finishes off by saying the same thing he said when he was on his bed. Remember? Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. I wonder who here is ready to accelerate the dawn in their lives. Who's up for that? The dawn. The breakthrough you've been waiting for. The miracle that you've been waiting for. You're not waiting on time. Time is waiting on you. Time is waiting for your decree. Time is waiting for your command. Time is waiting for you to open your mouth and prophesy and say, Hey, dawn, I know it's three in the morning, but come now. Appear now. I decide when dawn is. I decide how my atmosphere is. And I decide whether my soul goes to sleep or whether my soul wakes up. Today I feel God wants to propel some of you into the place and the places that God has prophesied you'd be. And you have found your life in a cave which is so different to the word that came to you when Samuel came to you and said, Hey, you're the next king. Oil fell from your head and you thought, wow, I've made it finally. And then life hit you and you're going, what just happened? What just happened? And it's not even my fault. You can still trust him. You can still trust him. You can still trust him. For a moment of concentration, privacy, close your eyes with me. Why don't you tell God that you trust him? Why don't you be bold enough to worship him through your pain? Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.